Hey podcast, it's me, Gary. Uh, thank you so much for uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, I've been blown away by the explosion of the podcast this year. And speaking about this year, this is the year that my empathy wine comes out. Empathywines.com is the website. Empathywines with an S.com is the website. If you've enjoyed this free podcast and it's brought you any value whatsoever, it would mean so, so much to me that at least you could go there and sign up for a three bottle subscription. Or if you're really into wine and you drink 36 bottles of wine a year, I highly recommend that you sign up for Club Empathy, which gives you a case of the rosé, the white and the red. And by the way, I hear it all the time. Well, what if I don't drink red? Or what if I only like rosé? You can give away the bottles because what comes along with a Club Empathy subscription is the fact that for 720 bucks, which is what gets you the three cases of wine, you also get an SMS sommelier, which means that there is a text number that you can text anytime, a cell number that you can text anytime if you're going to Napa and want us to set up the trip for you, if you need a bottle of wine for your boss, like literally a white glove butler service of all your wine needs if you sign up for Club Empathy. Empathywines.com. Buy it or I'll die. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be In this episode, Gary talks to Nathan Chan of Founder about how he manages his time between work and family, whether he sets goals for himself, and managing the expectations of employees at VaynerMedia. I'm going to ask you the same question I ask every single one of the guests that come on our show. How would you get your job? Well, my job came to me, you know, it depends on how uh, how you define my job. I mean, my my current job is predicated on my prior career, but my first job ever was working for my dad's liquor store as a stock boy. And so I have, I have the fortunate aspect of being in a family business. I really think the true answer to your question, as most people know me that listen to this, or as most people discover me from this and get to know me, the answer is probably by starting a wine show on YouTube within the first year that YouTube came out called Wine Library TV, which brought me into the Web 2.0 world and brought me exposure and started the journey of uh, of having awareness with people about my thoughts and things that I did that have really created the infrastructure for the content I put out to the world. When I like I you know I've been running Founder for about two and a half years and I remember watching this video. I never heard of you, and the first video I ever watched was with that I saw with you. You said something that was really really striking to me. Is you looked at the camera and you said. The reason I am speaking to you and you're looking at the camera saying, the reason I am speaking to you is because I've worked harder than you. And you've just got this this ridiculous mentality around hustle and drive. And I really want to tap into that and find like, wh- where did that come from, man? I think, um, so thank you. And I, I, I've, I've, pulled that move once or twice on, on camera. So, and it's a good one, right? Because it's, it, it strikes so deep and I'll tell you why, Nathan, you, you know, doing what you do, you come across a lot of experts, gurus, thought leaders. You probably at this point, I, I'm giving you a compliment. I could be wrong, but I'm asking you, I'm sure at some level you feel pretty good about your radar of who's completely full of shit, who's got some level of chops, and who's got more chops, right? I would, mm. I would assume that's something you probably pride yourself in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
And the reason I asked that, and we don't know each other that well, so the reason I actually just said that was not to give myself a pat on the back and say, oh, and then you think I do. It's actually because you clearly resonated with a very raw, honest moment in me giving an interview, which is what that moment is, which is, that's just the truth, right? Like, like I'm probably equally talented to a lot of people out there. I think I have a lot of talent, but I think a lot of people do. What I'm completely convinced about and it's really why I've started this new Daily B kind of vlog on YouTube is I just don't think people can outwork me. I, you know, when you're working 15 and 16 hours a day, every day, and you're working every minute, there's no downtime. I mean, I literally just checked into a hotel room. You know this because you just got a text from my assistant and Alex saying I might be 15 minutes late because I was literally just landed. I literally ran to the to the hotel room. I'm sitting in it right now, got the Wi-Fi, so this would be high quality enough you know, sound. So you know, every minute is accounted for. Where it came from, it came from being an immigrant. You know, my family came to this country with nothing. It came from watching my mom and dad work their faces off. My mom, three kids, no extra help, you know, laundry, cooking, cleaning up after myself. My dad, never around ever, working always. Uh, DNA, I think I just have it in me. And then probably the things that are a little more interesting for everybody who's listening, which is maybe a little bit of gratitude and guilt. I know that I've been gifted with communication skills. I know that I've been gifted in the ability to make money. Uh, I don't take them for granted. I think of them just as equally as big deal as being Beyonce or LeBron. Uh, it's just, it's talent. And I don't want to squander it. I know that I'm not average. I know that I got the gifts. I, I suck at a lot of things. I want everybody to know that there's a lot of things I stink at, but I was given the gifts that allow for success and I think the added aspect is the hard work. I like it. I like that I you know, took two flights last night from Buffalo where my heart was broken by my New York Jets football team and they lost and didn't make the playoffs. But I took two flights. I landed in LA at two o'clock in the morning, LA time. I like that everybody who I was with on the trip thought that was crazy, but I had a quick one hour meeting in LA. I could have blew it off. I'm in LA this Thursday. But I felt that I could do it and it was worth it. And now, boom, I'm in Vegas for CS and I'm on this Skype and I've got seven other meetings coming up the rest of this day, the day before the event. It's just in me. It's ingrained. My hustle is, it's better than everybody else's. So I have to bet on it. I bet on my strengths. I feel that I can outwork everybody. And then that's just where it comes from, I guess. Mm, and it's you know what's funny, Nathan? It's practical. It's the thing that I recognize that I'm better at and I've tripled down on it. Yeah, okay, I see, I see. Because, because you know, this is something, it's really interesting because this is something that I talked with Tony Robbins about because I, I understand this hustle and, and it's something that, that other people want, but how do you get it? Like, and he said to me that you have to go through some sort of adversity. And, and that's what happened to me. Like, I was working in a shitty job and I just had enough and, and I just, you know, that's it, I'm going to do my own thing. Like, did you experience some sort of adversity that, that changed things for you or, or have you always been I've, like this yeah, hustler I, since a little yeah. kid? Like, Yeah. I mean, my adversity was early on because I was a shit student and I was an immigrant and every immigrant was a good student, but I knew that I was a businessman. My self-awareness was off the charts early on. And at 12, 13, I was like, I'm a businessman. And I would stay up to, you know, as long as my parents let me back in sixth and seventh grade, working on my baseball card business 
It's just always been there. I do believe adversity is the key. I think my adversity, to be honest with you, Nathan, was more global than yours, meaning you, and I don't, let me rephrase, let me take a step back. There's plenty of people that have more adversity than me. Mine was just from the beginning, right? I didn't speak the language in the country that I lived in. I was short. I was a bad student. Like my six-year-old to 18-year-old, nothing on paper said that I was going to dominate other than what my mom was telling me and what I felt like in my head was telling me. And the early successes of working my dad's store at 16, 17, and 18. That's what I hung my hat on. So yeah, I think Tony's right. And I think you're right. But I also think that motivation matters for a lot of people. I'm sure that you got fed up, but you were consuming in podcasts or video form or from friends, like, hey, there's an alternative. Hey, there's an alternative. One of the things that I struggle with is, and this is where we can get a little bit deep, and I, I kind of was away for two weeks on vacation. I'm just hitting the road today, mm. back, and uh, a lot of family time that matters to me when I can get it. Holidays is a good time. And so this is my first inter- interview off of something that I think I unlocked walking on the beach back and forth, which is I have a major struggle. I don't want to be Tony and Oprah and all these things that I can be and I've been naturally gifted it. I do believe that I could be one of the three or four or two or one most important voices for motivational entrepreneurship over the next 20, 30 years. And I don't want to do it because I think there's some stigma along with just being a pundit and a motivator. And so I, I four or five, like I five years ago started running VaynerMedia, my agency, and now I've built it up to a hundred million dollar runway business out of meeting the yin to the yang of, well, the reason people should listen to me is because I actually build businesses, not because I'm charismatic or have done it once 20 years ago. And so I struggle with the friction of back and forth of trying to figure out where I sit on that. But I think that it came to me out of some storytelling talent and just global adversity from the beginning. I never knew a world where I could work for somebody else. That was never in my cards. Even when my dad didn't own the liquor store because he was the manager and then he eventually bought it, even at a young age, I was slinging stuff, blow pops, you know, baseball cards, lemonade stands, washing cars. I'm, I think I over-index to an extreme. It just never even was in my consideration set to get a safe job. You know, also, when you talk about um, family, I, I don't know if you still have it in your Twitter, but you used to say uh, family, family first, you know, love the hustle. I'm curious, you know, when you, when you have to choose between like work, you know, really important, like biz dev meetings or or whatnot, how do you maintain that balance, man? And how do you keep, how do you keep your missus and family happy, bro? I over, uh, you've got, you've got it completely pegged. I, so the answer, the answer to the, you're still laughing because you know, it's a big thing, right? It's so hard. And that like, cause I, I look up to you, like how hard you work, man, you know? Yep. I, I think, first of all, I made a really good decision early on with the missus. I over-communicated to my wife from the first date and told her that this is who I am and I want to over-communicate that I'm a hustler and I'm an entrepreneur and I want to buy the New York Jets and you need to really, you know, you need to do you and realize you're only 23. This was her time. Do you think you can deal with that? And it's gotten worse, not better. As I get older, I get more motivated, hungrier. So constant communication with her, but she enables it. That's for sure. Two, my kids were young. They're now six and three, especially after this weekend, this week, excuse me, these two weeks, they're getting more and more interesting. I want to spend more and more time with them. And the real answer is 
I just go with what feels right in my gut at that moment. There's no rule. I don't care what anybody else thinks about my work-life balance or my, my, the way I spend time with my wife or kids. We know what the truth is. You know, another thing about the Daily V that I'm starting to do is I know it's important and Snapchat. I know it's important for me to show other aspects of me because I only show the hustling. I don't show that I've been off the grid for two weeks. I don't show mm. that in the middle of the week, I'll go and run to, you know, my daughter's recital because I keep my family private. Probably, you know, this Nathan, because you follow this space. I don't have pictures of my family or use my family in my social media at all. And far less than most people do. And trust me, you know, I get why people think that I'm super extreme because I don't storytell the alternative times at all. Um, so I'm trying to, you know, in episode two of Daily V, even though I didn't show where and I kept it very private, I had D-Rock who films me all day. We went to the school where I went to the recital to just show like it's part of my life. But really, it's a gut call, and I've passed on some of the biggest meetings in my life, some of the most famous, richest, most powerful people, because there was a recital, or I promised my wife dinner, or whatever it was. And other times, I've passed on what has seemed as maybe a 75 to 90% important family thing for a 91% business thing. So I've, uh, I just try, and I just know where my heart and is, and I also know life is long. And I know I also know that it's quality over quantity. A lot of my friends that judge me sit at home and play Xbox and look at their phone all day and aren't interacting with their kids anyway. So, you know, it's uh, it's just that. Mm. And when, when it comes to your hustle, man, like, do you ever get burnt out? You know, maybe once or twice a year, I'll say, like, fuck this, you know? <laughs> yeah. But very infrequently. I know why I'm doing it, meaning... It's my destiny. I enjoy it. I made my bed. I don't believe in complaining. I hate complaining. God, do I hate complaining. <laughs> and so I try not to complain a lot myself. I definitely don't complain about things that I've created. You know, I, I, you'll never hear me complain that I wish I had more time with my family, right? Like, woe is me. I wish, wish I was with my kids right now. So go be with your kids. You know, like, like I hate when people complain about stuff where they made their decisions. I made my bed. I'm sleeping in it. I can change my bed. I have that power and I just roll. So yeah, once in a while, something will be tough. You know, 74 consecutive bad things in a row chipped away enough at getting at me. Right. You know, something like that. But uh, for the most, most part, I'm very happy. I'm, I'm very aware that I have very little to complain about in the context of the world. And I try to keep it that way. It's good to hear that you are human. Oh, I'm I'm superhuman. Though I'll tell you, I'm way more robot than the norm. <laughs> awesome. Um, I'm curious around your goals. Like, what are your goals for 2016? You always talk about buying the jets. How close are you? Like, like, give us an update of of how Gary V. Like, do you set goals? Do you plan out your 2016? Like, how do you structure all that? I don't have yearly goals. I do think about little things like I need to network more because I mean the ability for me to have, like, I do believe that people and relationships are the game. And so I always am pushing myself to do a little bit more of the big boy stuff versus the kind of micromanaging operational stuff that I love to do as well. I sometimes randomly come up with a goal two years ago. I cared about my health. I'm definitely thinking about how to go home in the middle of the day and give my kids a bath or see them more often during the week. That's there's smoke there, but I don't use January 1st 
as the proxy. I'm constantly self-evaluating in real time in parallel while I'm doing my norm. So I'm, um, it can happen any day. It doesn't tend to just happen. You know, my health happened in July, right? It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen because it's Jan one and it's time to evaluate. I do evaluate because usually I'll take the last two weeks of December off. And so I'll normally have time to reflect and time to myself. Uh, and so that happens naturally around this time of year. But, uh, you know, my goal is, you know, what's funny and I'll, uh, I'll I'll break it down a little bit more granular here. My goal isn't necessarily to buy the New York Jets. My goal is to continue to pursue the buying of the Jets. And that's a little bit different. I just love the game, man. I'm as purebred entrepreneur as you'll ever find. I'm blindly obsessed with the game of, of business and trying to win and competing. And am I close? I mean, financially, no. You know, we're talking about a $3 billion enterprise that I'll probably need to have five to $800 million in liquid. So I'm quite short of that. Uh, but I feel closer than ever because VaynerMedia is exploding and starting to become a very valuable asset. Uh, my personal brand continues to gain momentum and very important people want my advice and attention. And that's an enormously powerful place to be. And over time, I can go in for the right hook or the ask. And so, yeah, man, I feel great. When it comes to uh, venue mania, I've, I've got a question I've been really keen to ask you around uh, working with Gen Y, hiring, managing, you know, can you give us some insights around that? Like, you know, because that's something you guys do very well, like you're growing really fast and, and you've got an amazing team. I think that people make too big of a deal about Gen Y, millennials, Gen Z, mobile generation. Like they're just people no different than I was. You are. How old are you? Nathan? 29. Yeah, I mean, I don't see a big difference. I'm 40. I don't see a big difference between me, you, or a 22-year-old that just get, got out of school. Like, I just understand them, meaning they're humans, and they're paying attention to what matters to them. And if what matters to them is they've been smarter than my generation, that they don't need flat-screen TVs and Rolexes, but they need trips to Coachella and experiences and, and giving money to charity, then that's great. And that's cliche, by the way. I have plenty of 24-year-olds in my company that are acting like 45-year-olds and want to save every penny and this, that, the other thing. And so I'm not a big fan of that, Like, meaning I think the reason we're doing well is the 22-year-olds and the 27-year-olds and the 32-year-olds and the 38-year-olds and the 42-year-olds in my company are all being treated the same, which is we're an organization that will listen to them if they're willing to talk to me <laughs> because sometimes they're scared of talking to the boss. But we, uh, we listen and we don't care if they want money or if they want fame or if they want responsibility or if they want work-life balance or if they want extreme work-life balance. As long as they, they are able to articulate and are able to bring value in exchange for what I give them, and as long as I can find a way to make it 5149 in their favor, which then triggers me having the leverage because I'm making it good for them, then we're building something special. And so I think it's more human than it is generations aspects. It's just caring on human on a human to human basis. It's more Megan Gill. It's more, you know. Shelby, it's more Nick Dio, it's more D-Rock, it's more Kieran, it's more Tina Garcia than it is Gen Y, Gen Z. Mm, gotcha. Got it? Gotcha, and that's, gotcha. And that's a really important thing, and that's something a lot of people that are listening now, I'm going to make the assumption a lot of people listening now are not managing a 600-person firm. You know, they're probably managing a one-person firm themselves, or two, three, 10, 15, 20. As you start building your companies, my friends, please re remember 
the only asset you have is those people. And if you're able to provide them more value than they provide you, you'll win. And the problem so many of you make is you want them to provide you more value than you provide them. Mm, yeah. You, yeah. I, I heard you say something really interesting around, you know, how do you, how do you hire like tens? And, and you said you, you can never find tens. Tens work for themselves. Yeah. I mean, tens, real tens guys. Real 10s, not you drank a bunch of beers and you think she's a 10. You know, like a real 10, <laughs> like a real 10. A real 10 is going to work for themselves. And so if you're lucky, and I've got a couple, if you can get some nines, 9.7s. And by the way, we're talking about 10s as entrepreneurs that own things. Mm -hmm. I have 20s as operators. They just don't have the stomach for the risk or they don't want to put in the 22 hours a day or they see how I roll and they're like, fuck it. <laughs> I'll, I'll make a lot less, but I'll be a lot happier than the fucking black bags under his eyes. You know, and so I think that uh, if you're lucky enough to have 9.7s and 9.2s and 9.1s and 8.7s and 8.4s and 8.2s and big companies, if you're 10, 15, 20, 30, 90, 70, you need some Bs and Cs too. Why? Well, because what happens is organizations are, struggle to grow fast enough to feed all Bs and As. Here's what happens. If you really grow, VaynerMedia went from three to 14 to 29 to 46 to 67 to 100 million in revenue. You know how fast that is? If you don't grow that fast, you can't feed all those A's and B's. You have to literally explode because if your business is going from one to two, two to three, three to four, and if you're like a small team of five or seven people and you're trying to keep most of the money, if you're not able to feed the A's and B's and keep them interested financially and challenge-wise, they're going to leave. And then you've got to restart and continuity matters. Mm. People underestimate continuity. You know why? Well, continuity allows the A to do, the 10 to do is go fast. Continuity allows me to go fast mm. because I'm not worried on retraining my direct reports and their direct reports. Got it? Yeah, yeah. Got it, got it, got it. And so if I have a bunch of C's, it allows me to be the super A plus that I am. I never thought of it like that. Well, of course. There's, Nathan, there's a reason I've been successful. There's a reason other people have been successful. We're anomalies. I don't think people understand. I give away all my advice for free. People just don't execute on it. I've been going crazy on these Snapchat secrets, as you know, probably because you pay attention and probably you were gearing up for this interview. Over the last four days, I've been losing my mind to build up my Snapchat, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. You've been, you got to on Facebook. You're on Facebook. Yes. You did the mentions. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm fully about it because I believe in it. And I've been trying to bring extra value in my content on Snapchat, in my stories, like my best advice. And I've been putting it out and stuff I've said before, but in fuller detail or new stuff. And, and it's the stuff I've been saying forever, using Twitter search, you know, cold calling for advertising. You know, it's been crazy for people to hit me up on Snapchat chat and be like, holy shit, this works. Right. Because for the first time you did it, instead of just watched it, got pumped, motivated, and then not do it. That actually brings me to a really good question, good transition. Like, for like what we're doing with Founder, you know, one of our best channels right now is Instagram. And we've grown that. In a from, big way, I've watched. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. We've grown that from zero to half a million in just, just over a year, about 12, 13 months. And I'm very mindful to focus on any other channels, like, because I think it's just, it's just good to just hit that channel hard. Like we'll be at a million by April, million followers. And we generate ridiculous amounts of leads, like tens and tens of thousands of leads every single month. And like, what are your thoughts on, first of all, moving and, and focusing on other channels and, and that growth? 
what I would do in this scenario, and I've been doing it with myself because I was Facebook and Twitter last year. I got serious about YouTube and Instagram. You know, I went from 30,000 to 250,000, 210,000 Instagram last year myself while running a huge agency and not just focusing on my, I mean, I barely focused on my brand last year. So I, uh, and now I'm all about Snapchat and I'm going to focus on Periscope and, and live streaming. And I think the answer to your question is both. And let me explain what I mean by that. I, I went for dramatic pause, by the way, for a second there. Uh, I, think, I think that you need to crush Instagram like you've been doing, and clearly it's been a major factor for you. It's probably why I'm doing this interview, so let's call a spade a spade. That execution has helped you a lot. I do think that at the scale that you're growing and the momentum you have, that I don't know how much money you're making or what's going on in your life, but I would give up profit to hire more people and spend more ad dollars on building up Snapchat or Facebook, or LinkedIn, or Medium, or other places that you haven't conquered. To this whole master of none, uh, you know, king of one thing, or whatever fucking the quote is, that's horseshit. That's for lazy people. You can do both. Like, be great at three things. I am, that means you can. So you think you should work to conquer all the channels? Of course, because there's attention on all of them. And attention is the asset. How the fuck did you build this? You siphon the attention from Instagram's execution into this world. Interesting, because I've always been told and always hear that, like, you know, you should only stick to like one to two channels and just focus on that. If it's working, just find those couple of channels and just scale those. Because that's advice for B and C players. And you may be that. You may be, you might be that. I don't know. Right now, I'm impressed with what you've done in the last year or so. And so I'm like, fuck it, go for an A. Like, like, why in the world? Do, you know do you know how long I've been doing this? I've been doing this, building my personal brand in business really since 09. I was 07, but then 09, right? Let's call mm. it what it is. Okay, yeah. maybe 08. No, 07. Let's go with 07 when I gave the talk and started doing, you know, so we're getting into like eight or nine years. On Snapchat chat over this weekend, I had hundreds of people that said, hey, just discovered you really cool. Da, da, da. Yeah, wow. Because that, that's their primary player. You know what? I don't know how you get interaction from your fans on this podcast, but I'd love right now to ask a question and then you tell them where they should answer it so that you can gather the most data, email you, da, da, da. I don't yeah. know. I mean, whatever it is. I would love to know everybody to mention to founder and Nathan, what are the social networks, the platforms, including content, LinkedIn, Pulse, Medium. So, you know, kind of let's call it content and social. What are the platforms that have your attention? And if you only pay attention to Facebook, just write Facebook. And if you pay attention to Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook, in order to which one has your attention the most, whichever is the app you open the most, the most attention, attention only, put them in order. Let's see what happens. I think you're going to be stunned. Actually, I think I've seen you do this somewhere. I do this kind of stuff all the time with my audience. I'm doing it for you right now because you're going to be like, holy shit, I didn't realize so many people are reading Medium and now all of a sudden you're going to start writing or hire a writer to write three pieces a month on Medium. And then one goes viral because it's one of the few places where something can go viral and boom. Like, so, you know, look, I, I only follow attention, Nathan. It is the absolute asset that I'm obsessed with. I will always be that creature. I will invest in those things. I will support those things. I will execute my brand in those things. And, and Instagram in 2015 was the number one place to do shit. And you did that. But I do believe that Snapchat is going to be the number one place to do things in 2017. And so I'm just getting a head start. 
Mm, awesome. Awesome. All right. All right. I'm writing this one down. It's a focus now. It's a focus. I love it. Awesome. Well, look, we have to work towards wrapping up, man. Um, let's talk about your new book. Thank you. Uh, it comes out in March 8th. I'm super fucking pumped about it. It's called Ask Gary V, One Entrepreneur's Point of View on, then I rattle off all these things. Uh, it's a lot of questions from the show. I've done 170 or so of them. I hope you've watched some, Nathan. Oh, um, and But I've edited the answers, added to it, did a bunch of new answers. It's kind of Crush It 2.0 for anybody who's listening that's seen Red Crush It. And it's definitely my blueprint to the current state of entrepreneurship and management. And I have a feeling it's going to be huge. And I think one of the only reasons it wouldn't be bigger is because I made it really about the Ask Gary V brand. And if I'd call it the entrepreneurial blueprint, I think it would get more legs. But I felt like I wanted to triple down on the brand right now. Uh, so I gave up some sales that way. I have a funny feeling this book is going to be the book that I get a lot of emails about in 2017 of this really put me over the top. So I'm very fucking excited about it. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And and where's the best place that people can find out about the book purchase? Do you have any landing pages, any links you yeah. want to drop? Oh, yep, I'm going to be dropping that very shortly. It's all done. It's probably going to be garyvaynerchuk.com slash book, but I don't know that to be true. I don't know when people are listening to this. Uh, but any of my social channels where I'm Gary V-E-E on almost all of them except Facebook, I'm just Gary. I'm going to be promoting that landing page pretty aggressively. There's going to be bulk buys for access to me. So there'll be a lot. I'll be, I I have a funny feeling everybody who's listening to this right now is going to be very sick and fucking tired of me by April because (laughs) I'm going to be everywhere. Oh, dude. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Look, uh, you know, uh, you and you and Alex, you guys, you guys know your biz dev. Like, you guys have done a really good job. I'm really impressed. Um, Thank you. Thank you. One question, one yes. final question, uh, and this is something I always find interesting: is you know, what are, what are some of the biggest sacrifices you've had to make uh, to get where you are today? What have you had to give up? In my 20s, I gave up having sex with girls. <laughs> I mean, I completely punted my social life in my 20s and teenage years. I got a lot of emails on Facebook when I started getting on TV in America in 2009 and 10 and 11. Mm. And a lot of, and Facebook was just blowing up. And a lot of my high school friends emailed me and on Facebook because we hadn't talked in 10, 15 years. And they would say things like, the opening line was always, oh my God, I just saw you on Conan O'Brien or Ellen or CNN. You're so lucky, blah, 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 blah. And I'd write every one of them back and say, I'm not lucky. Do you remember in high school and college when you went to the Jersey Shore and hooked up with chicks and drank beer and had fun and got a tan? I was in the liquor store 15 hours a day working. So I punted my social life for a decade in the best decade. Like watching all these guys right now who are quote unquote entrepreneurs and putting pictures of money and private planes and hooking up with Instagram hot chicks. Like they're, they didn't work as hard as I did. They're not. Now look. I'm not judging them. Fuck. I think they might be right in hindsight. A little fun wouldn't have hurt, but they're not going to outwork me. Awesome. Love it. All right. Well, look, uh, we'll wrap there, Gary. Um, yep. Thank you so much for taking the time. I'm super mindful of your time and, and we've hit overtime now. But yeah, look, I'm, I'm really, really uh, excited and happy to connect with you and uh, here to help support the book however I can. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. And I wish you uh, a ton of success. Awesome. Thank you. Continue success. Take care. Bye.